Welcome to the New American Weekly with Kate Daly. Let's get right to the most pressing headlines of the week. It's not about the right or the left, just about the truth. Let's do this. Welcome to the New American Weekly. I'm Kate Daly, your host. I'm so glad that you're listening in. Get over to thenewamerican.com. Check out the latest stories, latest interviews. There's some fantastic interviews um, that just went up, and you've got to check them out. All on the headlines. Um, you name it, they're talking about it over there. And you have honest, genuine journalism, which is rare these days, I have to say. It's the unicorn. <laughs> it's rare. So get over to thenewamerican.com. You'll love me for this piece of advice. Um, so we have a lot to talk about today. And I wanted to start out with um, talking about, so I, I had a friend in a situation where um, this friend was at church and this little boy dressed as a girl, only like eight years old, um, wanted to, uh, the mother wanted this child who she had been dressing in girl clothes since the child was three. Um, and they, this mother wanted the class of, of, you know, the, the classroom of this age group at church to, to talk about this little boy as if he was a girl, address him this way. And then he was supposed to be invited to all the sleepovers and the parties and the birthdays and just everything, right. And be a part of everything as a little girl. And this, this friend of mine was just so perplexed because, of the nature of, of having to, or the situation, I should say, of being put in a position when you're at church, no matter what church you belong to, okay, this could be any church in America, and what do you do? Because the one option is to go along with the mother's request and that this child would be then, from then on, all of the adult leaders and classroom teachers and, and what have you, um, would be addressing this child this way as a girl and invited to all the sleepovers and the camps and all the little different things that they do all year long. And this 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 friend of mine was just having such a, a problem with this. And I can understand why, because truly then people are put in a position where you would almost have to lie. <laughs> you know, you'd have to say, well, I think of you as a girl when all along you and possibly the children are all thinking, but we know you're a boy, okay? So what's going to happen as this starts to affect our lives? What's going to happen to um, the churches, to us, to the congregations, as we start to bring this in, as we start to say that this is something that we all need to accommodate? Now, every pastor is different, every church is different, every leader is different on their views, which is also going to be a problem because you've got the government telling the, the um, pastors and the, and the congregations, the administrations, one thing, right? You've got that. You've got the government whenever that, when they entered into a nonprofit status, you've got the government telling them they're going to, they're going to toe the line and the government wants for everybody to be accommodating, not just accommodating, but praising and supporting the transgender movement. And what are we going to do as views differ from pastor to pastor, bishop to bishop, priest to priest? Those congregations, it's like a, uh, it's almost like a Christian roulette because you don't know what you're going to get. Or like a box of chocolates from Forrest Gump, if I can steal that line. Um, you don't know what you're going to get. So whatever congregation is going to be different because... Everybody has a 
everybody has a um, an ideology and a view about it. And then, of course, they're going to bring that in. And then they also know that the government wants them to toe a certain line. Because why? Because they have a nonprofit status. This is this is starting to affect us now. This is starting to come in and be something that we have to deal with and contend with. And I want to play something from Lori Aboli uh, from the Better Way Conference in May. She spoke about this, and she spoke about the end game of transgenderism as a as a mission, as a goal, as a as a movement, and why we're getting it so heavy. Why is this such a big thing now, where it wasn't? 10 years ago, why is it now? And you've got to hear her out on this. Here we go. ...are being replaced in sports, entertainment and politics by men pretending to be women. And children are being indoctrinated at school to think that gender is a choice. The transgender movement is not a grassroots movement. It comes from the top. It has nothing to do with people's freedom of expression, sexuality, or civil rights. It's an evil psyop with a clear agenda to get us closer to transhumanism by making us question the most fundamental notion of human identity, our gender. If you don't know who you are, If you already identify as a hybrid between a man and a woman, you will be easily convinced to become a hybrid between human and machine. Gender ideology is the two plus two equals five from George Orwell's 1984 dystopian novel. It's the final test to see whether we will follow the most absurd party line towards our own extinction. But two plus two equals four. And no matter how you choose to dress, call yourself, or change your physique, will not change that. The sad reality, though, is that in the gaslighting process to get us closer to a post-human future, they have mentally and physically harmed an increasing number of children and young people. And it's only getting worse. This must be stopped. I don't know if most people, that was Loria Bolli from... um... Uh, Better Way Conference in May of 2023. And she nailed it. She nailed it. The thing that she brought up that really needs to be understood that I don't think is in America. And I do this for a living. I mean, I'm talking all the time on, on radio, but I don't think this has really been driven home is that there's a reason that transgender, that the government, the media, everybody's all aboard the transgender train. And that is because we are to become androgynous, to lose our identity completely. And that if you can start to question, you can get enough people to start to question identity as a whole, who you are at the core of the person you are, okay? Because being female and male gives you certain traits, certain abilities, certain things that are very much a piece and a part of the foundation of who you are. Your gender is who you are, okay? And so... With that being said, if you can remove that, then you're two steps away from man and machine, man and computer, combining the two. Because then if you've lost who you are and it's not important anymore, and we can all pretend to be something we're not, and we all want to, not all of us, but a a segment of society, then you're working towards transhumanism being normalized. Oh, you're part machine, Johnny? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, Johnny, you're... (laughs) You mean you can you can do these these special abilities and um, you're not really you anymore? That's okay because either is um, 
either is Sally over here who used to be Ed and that he's not who he is anymore. Do you understand? It's going in that direction. And she nailed it on purpose intent and the evil intent behind that is to basically normalize confusion over who you are at your core. That's truly what this is about. And I don't think we realize, see, I, I have done lectures on this, lectures leading back to the um, women's movement. Now think about this as a whole. I study history. And as I was studying history, I was noticing from, you know, 1900 to 1910, not a lot changed. From 1910 to 1920, we had changes. I'm not talking about that. We had some technology changes, things like that. But the views and ideologies of people pretty much stayed the same. And of course, just like it is today, the majority was always pretty conservative, okay, church-going conservative people. And then technology changed and the food supply changed and all those things changed, yes. But we, but at our core and the things we talked about and the things we valued stayed the same. 1920 to 1930 stayed the same. 1930 to 1940, about the same. 1950s. We get to the 1950s and all of a sudden we were taught by TV we were taught by commercials. We were taught by um, mass media in print. We were taught by all of these vehicles that women were unhappy. <laughs> now, they weren't voicing that they were so extremely unhappy. And for the most part, even with voting, you didn't find that everywhere around the country. You found that in pockets. But it wasn't as if it was a movement. Okay? So in the 50s and I'll be right back on the New American Weekly with Kate Daly. Don't go anywhere. Can you believe after all the recent violent protests, looting, and destruction, some communities are considering either defunding or abolishing the police? If you agree that now is the time when police protection is needed most, then it's time we stand up and support your local police and the communities they serve. Call 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet. That's 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet today. Welcome back. Kate Daly with the New American Weekly. Get over to the newamerican.com. You're going to love them. Um, great stories over there today. And also, just make sure that uh, you're keeping your eye on Social Security. Uh, it's going to start to have some big problems, I think, and also gold shortages that are coming. Please text Birch Gold 989898 98 98 and text my name, Kate. Really appreciate that because you're going to get free information. So what's better than free, right? <laughs> so that'll give you a lot of, um, a lot of um, oh, I don't know, um, education on what to do with your money. And right now, I think it's going to start to get very volatile very soon. And I don't think we're going to realize it because our all eyes are going to be on the election. But I think they're doing a lot with digital currency. Um, so... When this movement started with the women's movement, um, I don't think people realized or even kind of took stock in the fact that there was a problem with this. All of the sudden women were angry and Gloria Steinem, who admitted later she was CIA, Gloria Steinem was placed on college campuses along with other people paid to do the same thing to start delivering protests and messaging about women and women's roles and why do you want to be home serving that man you got to get out there you got to get a job and 
There were a lot of reasons for this. Um, economically, that you were, we were about to put two taxpaying spouses in the workforce, right, which made more money for the government. Think about that. And then also you had the, um, the start of the end of the nuclear family, trying to go after the nuclear family, taking mom out of the home. But the women were there to get us riled up, to get us to the point where, oh, my gosh, I think, I, I think I'm mad. I think I'm angry. I think I'm not getting what I need. I, I, need to, I need to get out in the workforce. I need to prove myself and all of these different ideas. I'm not saying that women shouldn't work or I mean, I work, you know, or women shouldn't have a job. But it was the manipulation behind the sudden movement that didn't take place for the 150 years before, but suddenly started taking place, and they blamed it on progression. Oh, it's life has progressed, and now everyone's angry. Doesn't make sense, does it? There were specific people put there to manipulate the movement and to get women protesting and get people thinking about these things. And the shows like Maud and all these different shows came on and and it was there to depict the sad housewife, the the the, the person that got gypped and and don't rely on a man and just do it on your own kind of feel to it. So this has been kind of interesting to watch because now as this transgender movement is coming upon us, it isn't organic either. I think it's extremely manipulated as well. And I think we're going to find out that there's a lot of NGOs behind it that get government money but are instructed to, to, to deliver these messages. There's a reason the government's on board because it plays out to the agenda of the government. And that is that if you can convince somebody that identity is nothing, then being part machine, being, being part something that's not organic to the human body is a little more acceptable, right? If you can get people to a, a point where you've normalized that. So this movement, I would be very highly suspect of this movement being very highly manipulated as well, just like the women's movement was, because this is how government works, right? They, they, they hire people. They act like it's organic. Look, what we do in other countries, right? Color revolutions. What do we do? We hire people to look like renegades, rebels, right, that are against their government. And when they're really not, they're actually paid to be there by us. And so if you can see the patterns of history, and this is why everyone needs to study history, is that you can understand why this movement pretty much came on. And the LGBT marriage is, was like the Trojan horse for the transgender movement. And the transgender movement is more important to the, to the government, I think, because of the end goal of saying that we can make people get to a point where you being you isn't enough you being confused is good. We're going to help solve that by making you a superhuman, by, by, by evolving you into this thing that you kind of wonder if it's human anymore. And I know there might be people out there going, well, I don't know about that. Why would our government do that? Why would our government do everything it's done? <laughs> um, you know, I wouldn't trust the government to babysit my dead goldfish. I mean, we're <laughs> talking about a government that has lied to us over and over to the point that I find it strange now when people still think they're going to tell you the truth. They've lied so many times. My grandmother used to say, when they tell you who they are, believe them. They've been telling us who they are for a long time. I was, uh, I was also told by a, a famous talk show host, actually, that I shouldn't question everything. This was funny to me because this person's quite conservative and 
And he said to me, you shouldn't, it's un-American to question the biggest moments in American history. And I know I'm segueing a little bit, but it just brings up (laughs) my ability or my feelings about the manipulation of events, just like the women's movement, just like the transgender movement, because I see those agendas and those manipulations. And if I start to question the things in history that we've been told happened, like uh, the JFK assassination, did it happen the way they say? 9-11, did it happen the way they say? Um, all these kinds of things. The, the, the moon landing, did it happen the way they said? Um, when you start to, to question these things, they're just questions, right? They're just questions. But I was told that was un-American. And I thought, what do you, what do you base your, so, you know, your, your testimony, your love for America on? Do you base it on events of achievement or events of destruction? Or do you base how much you love this country on the founding of this country, the idea of a government that didn't seek to tell you what religion you had to be, or um, a government set up for the people and by the people, right? That's where my love for, for the country is, is in the idea and the implementation of a government that was supposed to be owned by us, okay, and, and maneuvered by us. It, it isn't anymore. But that's, that's exactly my point, though. The events of history, okay, do not shape my love for this country. They don't rock it. They don't, they don't um, implement more love for it. The, it, it is, the events are what they are. So if I question the events because of things that are written on the NASA website, or I question the events because logically I look at at something like 9-11 and I have far too many questions and not enough answers, or I look back at the JFK assassination and I say, hey, something's not right with what we've been told about this event. You know, something just doesn't seem right because I don't think one person could have done all of that. If you start to question these things, or I can say the women's movement was manipulated, right? If you start to question those things, it isn't anti-American or un-American. It's very American. (laughs) That's what you're supposed to do. And that's on the heels of getting a country that was going to break free from the control of thought that the other countries had. I see far too many people that are so interested in basically shunning people for asking a single solitary question. A question doesn't hurt anything. A question is good. Curiosity is amazing. We should try it sometime. But it has nothing to do with my love for America. Events stand on their own, and they should be questioned all the time. Why? Because we have a government with a history of lying to us all the time. So why would you not be questioning everything? And if the questions don't end up fielding out and it ends up being the narratives are true, okay, I can live with that. But I can't live with no ability to question. How foolish. Be right back on the New American Weekly with Kate Daly. Are you fed up with where our nation is headed? Here at the John Birch Society, we know how to fix a reckless, corrupt, and out-of-control government. It starts with patriots like you. We believe the only way to liberty and national sovereignty is to not only understand what's in our founding documents, but demand that every elected official adhere to them. 
The Constitution is America's only solution. Join the John Birch Society today. Visit us at jbs.org. Welcome back to the New American Weekly with Kate Daly. Hope you're having fun today. Hope you're having a great weekend. Trying to get to the headlines of the week. And, um, of course, Ukraine in the headlines. Mitt Romney. Oh, Mitt Romney. Um, hmm. I come from the state that gave you Mitt Romney. And I apologize because I didn't vote for him. But, oh, my gosh. Um, he just <laughs> sounds moronic. I don't know what else to say. He just sounds moronic. Um, he was basically giving testimony about Ukraine. And this is another thing that I've questioned, questioned, questioned. And of course, if you question it, then you don't love people, right? That's that's the line out there. Can't make that up. Uh, you must not love the Ukrainian people if you question what's going on. Now, we know that's not true. Um, so Mitt Romney was up and talking about the $95 billion being sent over and how we're definitely cut out of that on the border. But that this money needs to go to Ukraine. And his justification, almost made, it just made me laugh, that Russia's army is pretty much decimated now. But that's why they need all the money. I know, you probably just went, what? Yeah, if the army, if, if Russia's army is decimated, then why do they need all this money? <laughs> it didn't make sense. Never does. It never does. That's what I'm talking about. Pure logic doesn't let these things stand up. Um, so to scrutiny. So, of course, you have to question it. And this money, they're very insistent on this money. There's a lot of senators and a lot of congressmen that are all in on the Ukraine and want this money to go there. And I did. I found it. I found it actually pretty alarming. And I've been saying for some time that we have conducted these numerous wars, right? We've done Korea, Vietnam, Cambodia, Afghanistan. Afghanistan, we were in for forever. And really, what was the point of that? I'm just saying, what was the point? Anyway, Syria, Libya, Yemen, Palestine, Ukraine, okay? And really, it's never to win. It's to engineer the destruction of an entire country. And that's going to sound brutal for those that think that, we're always the good guy in these scenarios, but we're clearly not. And in this whole agenda is the rebuilding part, okay? And it's the, it's the part where the country springs up and we give it a whole lot of our money, printed and tax money, printed as well. And we gear up to reconstruct, and we all know that these government contracts and NGOs and, and contractors and all these different entities, the Cheney outfit, everybody gets a whole lot of money to rebuild. So the money's in the, in the reconstruction, okay? And of course, there's always usually a, a, regime, a regime change or a color revolution, like I mentioned earlier, color revolution where we've been doing this in other countries. We make it look like they're rebels. We pay them. Uh, they're on the payroll, and then it looks like an organic coup, right, of the government or an organic protest, and it's not. It's bought and paid for, and we we act like it is, and then what we do is we go in and put in our guy, okay, the guy that we want to head up that country. And so I don't know that this is any secret anymore. I mean, obviously, a lot of people have been talking about this for decades, Um I think there's probably a few neocons out there that still feel like whatever we do is the right thing, but clearly it's not because it's very agen agendized, okay? So you get to this point where 
you've got the Ukraine, you've got all this money going in. And right before on um, on Independence Day, I think it was 2020, 2020, 2020 or 2021, 2020, I think. And um, you got to this this point where Zelensky was on screen and they were they were doing this meeting and they were talking about how Ukraine needed to be a smart country. And they were going to rebuild its entire infrastructure, and they were—they really had a desire to make it the city on the hill, and do all this reconstruction. Well, then these innocuous reasons happen that no one can still explain really as to why to provoke Russia into war. Because I don't—I I actually the Putin interview was—it was interesting. There was some truth told in that interview, um, and 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 what came out of that was the government owns the media <laughs> and propaganda. Yes, they do. And of course, there were times where this didn't have to happen. And of course, Russia didn't go in on the on the offense. They were they they, they were provoked into it. OK, we had a lot of biomedical labs going up in Ukraine and we basically own and run Ukraine. And as he called it, a substation of the United States, which it is. This is why our money's going there. Um, that happened in 2014. The whole Victoria Newland disaster where that was leaked on tape that um, that it was a takeover of Ukraine to install our guy. And then we put in Zelensky, who's a little actor and he's in a boy band and he's a little talk show host and we make him and prop him up as a defender of freedom. He's not. But we but we say that about him. And uh, Putin also talked about the Nazis that never went away, that are worshipped over there in the Ukraine. And he said, this is a this is an issue and a problem. We want to eradicate that. But we seem to be propping it up. And the United States is propping it up. That part was true. It was really true. So we get to Ukraine and and then we get to the point where BlackRock is then handling all the money. Did you ever wonder about that? Did you ever wonder why BlackRock was handling all the money? For Ukraine? Hmm. So BlackRock is the instigator of all. They are at the head of public-private partnerships. They are the ones managing this war. If you are a moviegoer, there was a Dustin Hoffman movie that called um, Wars Pageants. <laughs> so he's they're managing the pageant, okay? And um, and I, I know people that have gone over there that said, I don't know that this huge war is actually going on in many places in Ukraine. It's life as usual. You're not seeing a whole lot of what the media is telling us is going on or what the government's telling us is going on is actually going on. So there's a lot of questions that that we should be curious about. Um, This endless amount of billions of dollars with no, absolutely no accountability to what it's actually going for. Nice big round numbers. Nice big round numbers. Why? Why? Why aren't we demanding an accounting? Why isn't Congress demanding an accounting? Okay. So if you look back and you see all of this going on through history, and then you look at the Ukraine and you see BlackRock and JP Morgan and private investors want to profit off of a country's construction, reconstruction, along with 400 global companies, including Citibank and Philips and and J.P. Morgan, um, then you see a tremendous opportunity for private investors, and that's exactly what they want. The Kiev neo-Nazi regime is a partner in this endeavor. And war is good for business, isn't it? War is... So this is why we've had endless wars. When we implemented the United Nations, 
there were a lot of warnings about what we were about to do and sanctioning this body that was going to overlook world peace. I know it's a joke, but <laughs> that's that's how it got implemented. And then, of course, we've had nothing but peace ever since. But we're slow to question, and that's on us. We don't have the curiosity that we should have. The privatization of Ukraine was launched in November 2022 in a liaison with BlackRock's consulting company, McKinsey. And they are a public relations firm. And it's been pretty responsible for co-opting corrupt politicians and whatnot and officials all around the globe, not to mention the scientists and the intellectuals on behalf of the power financial interests, you know, the TV expert or (laughs) the expert they hire, right, Um, to give the point of view that they want. That's kind of funny how that happens. And the Kiev government engaged BlackRock's consulting arm in November to determine how best to attract this kind of capital, this private capital. And J.P. Morgan, um, and then added, of course, J.P. Morgan, and in February of last year. And Zelensky announced last month that the country was working with two financial groups and consultants at McKinsey. What I'm saying is there was a reason you got to see the Putin interview. Putin declared that he wanted peace and that he was ready to negotiate. And we don't get to see interviews unless, even if it's Tucker, unless we are allowed to see that interview for special interest. And I think that they want to bring this to a close so they can start reconstructing in the way that Zelensky desired. And that was to build a smart country, a smart city on the hill with NSA spying on steroids, with with utter control over its citizenry, not like they don't have that now, but we're talking on steroids, and that this is the new way to facilitate, hey, all countries need to be this. This is the ideal. Um, And, of course, all the money that was transferred, all the money that was hidden, all the money that ended up everywhere else but in tax breaks for us. So no tax breaks for us, just more taxation, and, of course, you know, We get, what, uh, a Ukraine war for almost two years? Be right back. The New American Weekly with Kate Daly. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West, rifles, strapping men, and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, the New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, self-reliance, the Great Reset, and Trump World for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. Welcome back to the New American Weekly with Kate Daly, the newamerican.com. 
All right, you guys, get over to ActivateFIQ.com because not all supplements are alike. And when they absorb in your body, it's a big, big deal. Don't go buy over-the-counter supplements. They're worthless. (laughs) I'm just going to give you a little hint. Uh, Go to ActivateFIQ.com because I know how they process and put together these supplements so they actually absorb into your body and you're going to get more bang for your buck. And you're also going to get great prices when you put in the code KATE, okay? You should be taking copper, magnesium, whole C, not absorbic acid. Stay away from that stuff, but whole C. And um, I take cod liver capsules too because there's a reason that our ancestors took it. And it promotes really good health, good thyroid, everything. So please, by all means, um, go where the supplements are made that are actually worth taking. Because I know you have a drawer full of them. Go to ActivateFIQ.com. ActivateFIQ.com. And code word is Kate. Um, So... Let's talk about this for just a moment. So you've got the privatization. You've got the smart city. I've been saying smart city. They're, they're, they have their sights on Ukraine for a reason. There was a reason they did this. They could get away with a lot of money flowing in uh, to the coffers in Ukraine. And I think that's going into a lot of pockets. Why? Because I don't, Ukraine is not its own country. We run Ukraine. That's why. It's a substation. Well, substation's far away, isn't it? So lots of money can flow there. No one's going to um, say, well, there's no war because, or, and, and even if it's small, right? No one's going to question it because our news is telling us daily that there's a war going on and that they can't uh, help, they can't help themselves and they need money and they need, they need weaponry. At the same time, they sell us that Russia is either A, going to nuke us or B, can't run their army anymore because we've run them into the ground. Well, which is it? <laughs> Doesn't make sense, does it? So that's, that's exactly that's exactly what Mitt Romney's speech was all about. Was it was confusing at best because he couldn't figure out what the narrative was. <laughs> so <laughs> listening to him, my head hurt to tell you the truth. I mean, it was obnoxious, but he's obnoxious. So um, our state hates him, and that's why um, we felt like we got used, and we were, and um, he's not running for office again. Thank goodness. Um, but that doesn't mean that somebody's going to spring up in his stead that does the exact same things as Romney, because that's kind of how it works with the parties. And unless we start to really figure out that we have to pull away from the parties, we're never going to help this country. OK, we just aren't. It's just not going to happen. So I want to I want to take you down this road for just a moment, because I want to kind of explain why things get silly and why things get weird and why you should question things. Um NASA has been known to be a, well, sort of a substation Ukraine, okay, for a long time. People have wondered and questioned, good, that if, um, if NASA is, is just, there's a lot of money flowing in, but for some reason, they're, the, the stuff they spit out, not so much. I mean, you get little bits and pieces of things that they're doing, but is it a justification for all the money, all the money that they've been given? NASA's website, so of course Artemis, you know, going up and uh, Artemis 2 on hold, that's going to carry the passengers, that's on hold. So not a person going back to the moon, but they're telling us that Artemis is going back to the moon. Okay. Um, But they keep prolonging the dates. They keep telling us that things just, you know, but the news this week is that it's all about Artemis, Artemis 1. Okay. NASA had an article on their website. And I, 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 I'm seriously quoting from NASA. Okay. Going to the moon was hard. <laughs> okay. Um, but the benefits were huge for all of us. It reminded me of, of this sort of, um, 
yeah, don't look at this, but look at this because look at what look at what NASA's done for us. Now, people will say the inventions of NASA are huge for us. Okay, you could say that, but I think we would have gotten them anyway. Actually, I think people are ingenious enough. I think that people are creative enough. They would have come up with them anyway, without some justification of going into a government program. And it just so happens in Operation Paperclip, right after World War II, where whole entire country was against the Nazis and we were fighting the Nazis. Well, except for the Bushes. They were actually selling arms to the Nazis. <laughs> Prescott Bush, but Papa Bush's dad. But with that being said, the whole country was pretty much against the Nazis. But then we bring them over here and we give them stellar jobs in the new NASA. So it was... Um, uh, Werner von, um, uh, what is his name? Werner. Werner was the head and he was a Nazi. He was the head of um, NASA. So all of these people come over. We have all these scientists that are Nazis at the helm in government, in oceanic, in, in scientific world, in NASA, you name it, completely put into top positions in the United States. Sounds a little fishy, doesn't it? And then, of course, all we hear is NASA going to the moon was hard, so that's why we have a hard time going back. And by the way, the news is even today saying, well, 50 years, yeah, we haven't been back for 50 years, but you shouldn't really question that because um, that it's just because it's hard. So there was that. And I, I found that to be kind of an interesting, an interesting piece of information because they said that there were a couple of reasons as to why we couldn't go back. And the first one was budgetary and political. And then they were quick to say not scientific or technical. Although it's science and the technical issues is the reasons they give us for not going back for 50 years. Right. Where's all this money been going? So budgetary, I think they've had enough budget. I don't think that's a thing. And then I also... Uh, we'll tell you that, of course, going to the moon was hard, but look at what we've accomplished. And this is what they said were the problems for not going back to the moon. And I honestly think that you might want to be a little skeptical about these reasons. Food safety. I know I can't make this up. This is right from NASA.gov forward slash technology. Food safety is one of the many problems we have because uh, the food might not be might not be free of microbes that could make them sick. On the journey. Was that a problem in 1969? <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So they, they admit that they went to Pillsbury for help. I know you, I can't make this up. So <laughs> Pillsbury was supposed to help them, but didn't really, but it's okay for us to eat, but they really couldn't say that the food would be free of microbes. All righty then. So they said that, uh, Pillsbury had developed a system for taking control of entire manufacturing process, but really couldn't be trusted. The other one was space blankets. We might not have, I know I can't make this up. Sorry, it just gives me the giggles. Space blankets don't ensure the insulation for our astronauts. And so it wasn't a problem in 69, but it's a problem now. Quake proofing that there might be an earthquake. And I know. Um, okay. I didn't know that this was at the hierarchy of issues and problems for 50 years for them not being able to go back to the moon since they said they went there and they had these missions. I don't know why that would keep them, but it was trying to quake proof the situation. And then also 
can't make this one up either, rechargeable hearing aids. This is right from NASA's website. Um, They don't have the technology for rechargeable hearing aids <laughs> up in space. Alrighty. And um, also that um, there's just lots of reasons that you might not understand. And these are, and I quote, hard, a steady stream of hard problems to work on. Now, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but the year now is 2024. And they said we would go back in 2024, but they pushed it back again to 2025. And now they're saying that's at the earliest and it probably isn't going to be till 2027. Hmm. Well, a few years ago, they said it was going to be in 2018. And before that, it was 2015. And before that, it was 2010. And then before then, you get my drift. I'm always pushing back the date. Now, they had the team of Artemis II all ready to go. And honestly, it looked like a United Nations poster. It was checking all the boxes. You know, you've got um, black person and you've got, you know, woman and you've got, you know, Asian person and you've got all these different people. And and it looks fabulous. Okay, so they were supposed to go back up and now they postponed it. And the reason that they gave was Technical reasons, although they're quick to tell you on Google that it's budgetary, not technical, but technical is the reason they gave for the delay of the Artemis II. So the bone they threw us was Artemis I, and that involves no people and nothing. It's just going to go up, I guess, and come back down, and that's, that's, that's it. So, and then they're going to send out pictures and, and whatnot, but I just... I wanted to tell you, they also blamed digital flight controls. And they said that the technology, our technology in 2024 was not as good as it was in 1969. And when we nailed it on the first try, really, um, and um, also left the moon and came back here and with no problems. And so they're saying that we just don't have it together in 2024 in order to. So you're just supposed to. I guess understand that we just can't go until the food safety problem gets solved. I don't know. Uh, The New American Weekly with Kate Daly. Thank you for listening in.